Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Acts chapter 26. Let's pick it up. Our text, we left off our study of Acts a few weeks ago with Paul sharing his testimony in front of some of the most powerful people of that day. He was falsely accused, arrested, and placed in prison in that beautiful seaport city of Caesarea on the Mediterranean coast. And so let's go back to verse 19 in order to get the context of our text this morning. We left off two weeks ago. So Acts 26, we'll pick it up in verse 19. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So here Paul is speaking, but declared first to those in Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, and repent means to turn from your sin, repent, turn to God. So if I repent and turn, who do I turn to? What do I turn to? Do I turn to uh, some other addiction? If you're an addict here this morning, which we have addicts in our families, and, and what I've suggested that they do is get addicted to Jesus, which they will smile and chuckle and go, okay. Um, if I wasn't addicted to Jesus, I would be addicted to something else. I can guarantee you that. So if you're an addict, get addicted to Jesus. It's that simple. Sorry to make it that simple, but it is that simple. And so, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God in 21, where is our help going to come from? It's going to come from each other. We need to get together and gather. We need each other. And there might be help from the government for those who need, sincerely need help. Thank God that we do give taxes and that the government sometimes does good things with those. But where does our ultimate help come from? God. Because if we have everything, if we're millionaires, but we don't have a sound mind, it does, we don't need any help from anybody. I'm self-sufficient. Oh, really? You won't have peace. I won't have peace in 21. We've got to stay focused on God. God, what are you doing? This week, as you've all heard, could be one of the craziest weeks of the last 50 years. No one knows what's going to happen. No one. But a lot of people are saying it could be totally, absolutely crazy with Americans going crazy on both sides. So what do we do? Look to God. Keep praying. And remember that we're ambassadors for Christ. We're not ambassadors for the U.S. Constitution. I appreciate the Constitution, but I will never elevate the Constitution above my Bible. I will not elevate Republicans, Democrats, Socialists, Marxists. I will not elevate anyone above my Bible. So make sure that you know in your heart what you're going to do, because something's going to happen. Something is going to happen. I don't know what it is. I don't even want to go down that road with anybody. But something is going to happen. So just be ready to share the gospel. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and great. Guys, 21, that's our objective. Witnessing to those who cross our paths. Sure, we can argue mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, this, that. Yeah, argue it. But at the end of the conversation, what good did it do? 
We got to take them to Jesus. If we don't take them to Jesus, it's wasted time. So witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. So notice what Paul even did. He didn't argue about, you know, why am I in prison? Those stinking religious Jews, they falsely accuse me. I don't belong in this prison. He wasn't doing that. He was taking people that he was before to the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. Because he knew this is why I was knocked off my horse decades before. I'm now before a king. This is his opportunity to be before a king that Jesus said he would be before. Now, you and I, we haven't had that experience. At least I haven't. I shouldn't speak for everyone. I have not had that experience of where Jesus told me, God's told me who I'm going to be in front of. So I don't know. But you and I, we need to take every opportunity that we can and be ready to do what we can do and go back to the word of God that the Christ should suffer and that he'd be first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. And as I mentioned before, this was counterculture. Peter and the boys thought they were going to rule and reign with Jesus and squash Rome. We're going to rule and reign over this piddly little earth. They weren't thinking eternally. They weren't thinking of heaven, 1,500 miles high, wide, square. It's a cube. They weren't thinking that. They were thinking temporal. And many Christians today are thinking temporal. You're not taking away my constitutional rights. Go back to the Bible. What Bible do you have as a Christian? What right do you have as a Christian? You're a slave. So ask your master what right you have. And then he'll tell you in his word. Don't elevate your rights above what you think they are. You're a slave. I'm a slave. I'm a servant of the most high God. Not a servant for anybody else. And so, unfortunately right now, people aren't really excited about Jesus coming back. But guys, it's been foretold. So if you're not excited about it, you better get into your word because Jesus is coming back. It's been foretold. Don't, get, don't, don't hang on to what this temporal stuff offers. You better have a light grip on it. Verse 24 in our text this morning. Now as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Pastor Jim. What's he saying? Pastor Jim, you're crazy. That's what he's saying. Paul, you're beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. I'm sure someone's here saying, like, yeah, that's you, all right, pal. That's you. I can't wait to get out of here. What's for lunch? But it's the Bible. It's the Bible. Remember that Paul has been making reference to the scriptures, and it's safe to assume that those who are watching him and listening to him, that they knew he was a Pharisee. So all of that scriptural learning is pouring forth in a very systematical way, and it's overwhelming for the unbeliever to take it all in. It's basically foolishness to them. And 1 Corinthians 2, 3 through 15 says this, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. At the end of this study, if you don't get anything out of it, I don't believe it's me. I believe it's you, you limiting what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. I'm not the best presenter, but I've got the message. The message is the word of God. If you don't appreciate the word of God, that's between God and you, not me. 
but which the Holy Spirit teaches, conspiring spiritual things with spiritual. If you, so far, you haven't gotten anything out of what I've shared with you, you're comparing it from human eyes. You got to get into the spiritual world. And then the way you get that is by becoming born again. Maybe you're here this morning, you haven't received Jesus as your Savior. I, I know most of you by face. I forget your name. I got a two week memory. But I think most of you are saved. But there might be one person in our midst that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. And you don't get this Bible. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit isn't within you. I didn't get the Bible. Until at 17 and a half years old, I received Jesus as my Savior. And they read the Bible every Sunday in the church that I was going to. They read it every single Sunday, and I lived like the devil the whole week long, including Sundays. But once I received Jesus as my Savior, the Holy Spirit came within me. Then when I started to hear the Bible, and then when I started to read the Bible, I went, oh, that's what that means. And there was a love in my life. There was a love in my heart that I wanted to be more like Jesus. I mean, it just came instantly. And now I was discerning spiritual things, not because I became religious. No, because the Holy Spirit dwells in me, even to this day. But the natural man, so the unbeliever, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And this could also apply to the believer. If you're not in your Bible on a regular basis, the millennial reign of Christ, which many Christians deny is going to take place, the seven-year tribulation, which many Christians under the banner of Christianity deny is going to take place, that's most of the book of Revelation. So they're saying, ah, book of Revelation, don't need it. It happened in 70 AD. Okay. Not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. The rapture. Do you know most Christians do not believe in the rapture? Calvary's unique. And there are other churches that do, and other Christians, but most churches do not. It's not taught. It's not mentioned. Oh, that's more of the, no, that's modern Christianity. That's not taught in the Bible. I don't know what Bible you're reading. It's clearly in the Bible. For the foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So if we don't seek after the Spirit, we're going to miss what's right in front of our face, as the disciples did. Until after the resurrection and ascension. Until when? Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Oh, now we get it. They didn't fully get it because they still hated the Gentiles. Another study. Verse 25. But he said, I am not mad. I'm not crazy, most noble Festus. But, I have this highlighted in my Bible, but speak the words of truth and reason. You see, Paul didn't take this criticism personally, but rather just remain confident of what God had shown him through the years, through the scriptures. He was speaking truth and with reason, and that word reason means soundness of mind. The enemy doesn't want us to have soundness of mind. He wants us to live in fear so that we'll lock down, we'll separate We'll live in fear. We'll live in intimidation of the government. We'll live in intimidation of social media. We'll live in intimidation of others in the store saying, why aren't you wearing a mask? Or why aren't you getting the vaccine? Or, oh, by the way, you're not going to be able to travel unless you have a card. So let's live in fear. No, I'm going to trust God. Have a sound mind. Paul's saying, I've got a sound mind. I'm not crazy. I've got a sound mind. For the king... Before whom also I speak freely, 
knows these things. For I'm convinced that none of these things escapes his attention since this thing was not done in Queen Creek. That would be a corner compared to Jerusalem. It wasn't done in a corner. Paul moves his focus from Festus to Agrippa, who was a Jew and understood the scriptural things that Paul was talking about. We've talked about this on previous studies, so we're not going to touch in detail about it, but remember that the family who used the, the title of Herod were very familiar with the man called Jesus of Nazareth. What Paul said was totally true. The life, death, resurrection of Jesus did not happen in some remote corner of the world. It happened in one of the most influential cities of that day, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. It happened in Jerusalem. And again, you've got to do your own history lesson on it. We don't have time to do that. Jerusalem today is one of the most influential cities in the world. Even today. There's not a week that goes by where Israel, uh, Jerusalem is not mentioned in the UN. Every single week, it, Jerusalem is mentioned in the UN. More focuses on Jerusalem than any other city or country in the whole world. Iran's building nuclear weapons. We don't care about that. Jerusalem's bad. The Jews are bad. Just reality. Then as well as now, the name of Jesus is a name that brings healing and restoration as well as division and eternal devastation. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10 and see some scriptures that, you know, we don't want to read, but they're very relevant to the days we're entering into. You see, it basically comes down to whether you're dealing with Jesus in a personal relationship or in the name of religion. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus has this to say. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men or mankind, as you look up that word, so male or female, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. So when the, the Mormons say that Jesus never claimed he was God or the Jehovah Witnesses or Muslims or atheists or Hindus, uh, I would say that this is a verse that says Jesus is God. If God is my father, that would make Jesus God. Not an angel, not just a great prophet, that would make him the son of God. And he makes it very clear, my father who is in heaven. So not Joseph and Mary, not Joseph, because Joseph wasn't his father. He was his earthly male role model. Verse 33, but whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now again, as you read your Bible, want to make sure that this is clear in these days we're living in where people are stockpiling guns and ammunition. Uh, Jesus is not saying go out and buy a sword. Uh, I'm going to take everybody to task and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to cut people up. The, sword, the word of God is the sword of the Spirit. The word, as you see in verse 35, for I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother. So is a, is a man, and is, is, are these two, are, are they going to be using swords in their household? Are they going to be fighting against each other with swords, physical swords? No, it's the word of God. It's the word of God that divides families. You're either for Jesus or you're against Jesus. And a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me 
is not worthy of me or is not fit for the kingdom. That's what that means as you break it down. In other words, if you're going to side with your parents over Jesus, you're not going to be used by Jesus to win your parents to Jesus. If you side with your family members, oh, oh, you're, you're gay. Okay, I don't want to say anything negative to you. I mean, that's, yeah, okay, you know, I'm going to love you to hell instead. No. Jesus brings division. Marriage is between a genetic male and a genetic female, according to the word of God. If you started the daily reading, which hopefully I hope you do a daily reading, I get excited because now we're in Genesis. God created them male and female to become husband and wife, period. Young ones, don't let anyone confuse you. That's reality. So he who loves father and mother, so if I lift anyone, so just bring it to reality here, bring it to practicality. If I lift Claudia, my wife's name is Claudia. So if I I, I lift Claudia and her desires above the word of God, I'm at fault. I'm at fault, not God. That's saying I love Claudia more than I love God, and I don't. I love God more than I love Claudia. I hope that makes sense to you. And we don't elevate our children or our grandchildren or anyone above the word of God. Our relationship with God has to be number one. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not fit for the kingdom. You're going to nullify your, your, your testimony. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. In these days we're living in to stand up and say, I am a Christian and I love everyone. I'm not going to deny the faith. If you're not willing to do that, you're not going to be fit for the kingdom. It has nothing to do with salvation. It's just talking about your witness, your testimony. It's going to be nullified. And they're going to go, see, we knew you were just like those other Christians that love us and accept us as well. We're so happy that you're our friend. But if you take a stand against them, they won't be saying that. No, they'll be calling you a homophobiac, a bigot, a hateful person. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. What's your life? Have you lost your life to God? Are you totally consumed? with God and his ways. Now, I'm not saying none of this nonsense of being a hermit or not being responsible. And for those of you who know me, you know I'm responsible and I've got lots of responsibilities that I take care of. But you've got to make God number one in 21. He's got to be number one above anyone else and above anything else. He receives you, receives me. And he who receives me, receives him who sent me. And who would the him be there as you're interpreting your Bible? God the Father. So again, Jesus came from God, guys. He's not an angel. He's not just a great prophet. He's not just a really good teacher. He is literally the son of God. Are you willing to die for that? Head-on crash kills seven kids, two adults in Central California. January 2nd, 2021. Wow, Pastor, you're just full of good news this morning. Fresno, California. Seven children and two adult drivers were killed in a head-on collision in Central California on New Year's Day, authorities said. 
The children, who were between 6 and 15 years old, were members of two related families traveling in a 2007 Ford that collided around 8 p.m. Friday, with a Dodge vehicle on State Route, State Route 33, the Fresno County Coroner's Office and California Highway Patrol said, Evidence from the scene indicated that the Dodge, being driven by a 28-year-old man, was traveling southbound on the highway when it veered onto the dirt shoulder, and for an unknown reason, the driver overcorrected, overcorrected, and you younger people that are getting ready to drive, or you young adults that are driving, maybe ask someone older what this means, he overcorrected, swerved into the southbound lane where it struck the Ford driven by a woman. The Ford burst into flames on the dirt shoulder while the Dodge came to a stop, straddling both lanes of the highway. All eight people inside the Ford were killed, including the seven children. The driver of the Dodge was identified, and it goes on, he died as well. Why do I bring that up? Tens of thousands of people die every year from car accidents. Tens of thousands of people. Their survival rate of the virus right now is 99.9% survival rate. And what is the enemy trying to bring into our lives? Fear, fear, fear. Are you afraid of driving? Do you get on the road? Are you afraid every time you get on the road? Why aren't you afraid? You probably got a better chance of getting killed on the road than you do of the dying of the virus right now. That, that's pretty much reality. But are you afraid of driving? No. No. This wasn't done in a corner. So Paul goes on to say, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Paul asks a simple question back in Acts 26, verse 27. And this is basically what we want to ask our friends, our coworkers, our relatives. Do you believe the prophets? Which today we would say, do you believe in the Bible? Start a conversation. Do you believe in the Bible? No. Why not? Why not? And then let them just tell you all the reasons why or why not. But listen to what Paul says. King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? I know that you believe. <laughs> That's called salesmanship right there. I know that you believe. You want to buy that one, don't you? Go on to a car lot. You'll see what I'm talking about. I know you do, but really, Paul just points to the facts of the word and not his great salesmanship. He just takes him to the word. And guys, that's what's for you and I. He challenges Agrippa with dealing with the truth of the word. It has now been placed before Agrippa, and Agrippa is now placed with a decision. Do you believe, Agrippa? Do you believe? Do you believe the prophets of old, Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Micah? Do you believe in the scriptures, Agrippa? It's hard to believe anything that's on the news these days, but the word of God hasn't changed. Been reading it for 42 years, and Genesis 1-1 is still the same 42 years later. It's amazing. Get into the word, guys. News changes every single day. Word of God does not. We can trust and believe what is written will come to pass. Always has, and it always will. In verse 28, what a response. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Oh, man, Agrippa, you almost, almost, Paul. 
You see, we see the heart of Paul here again. Even though he has been mistreated and falsely accused, even though it's been over two years since he's been imprisoned, Paul still has a heart to see others, even Agrippa and his sister. Get the study from a few weeks ago to remember about the sister. Came to the, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ. You see, this is a man who has really come to understand the love of God. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Have you and I really come to understand the love of God? Paul has come to understand the love of God towards the Jew as well as the Gentile. And again, if you're new to the faith, you have Jewish people, even alive today, Orthodox Jews, there's two groups of people on the face of the earth. You're either a Jew, you have Jewish blood in you. If you don't have any Jewish blood in you, you're a Gentile. That's it. That's it. So when you read the scriptures, you want to take it from that that understanding. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Forget whatever other background you think you are. According to the scriptures, you're a Jew or a Gentile. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. Notice the direction. As you read your Bible in 21, pay attention to direction. Is it from heaven to earth or is it from earth to heaven? Because we have God's responsibility and we have man's responsibility. But don't ever, ever, ever replace your responsibility above God's responsibility. That would make you, in a sense, God. And that's very, very dangerous. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When did Christ die for you? At the cross. And the dates vary. Some will say 29 AD, some will say 32 AD. It was on the cross. It happened. It took place. What sins did he die for? All means all. In Greek, Hebrew, Latin, pick a language. All means all. Verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, as we celebrated communion this morning, just as if I'd never sinned, justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. And that's why we believe in the rapture. We will not be saved from the wrath of man, so to speak. We see the wrath of man, but the wrath of God. And as you read Revelation, if you don't believe in Revelation, then you're not going to believe what I just say. But if you believe in Revelation, you do a chronological study of it. As you go through it, the first three and a half years, half the world's population is annihilated. Dead. Done. Three billion people are going to be gone in the first three and a half years. Not three million. Three, at least three billion people will die in the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. That's wrath of God, not the wrath of man. So there's a difference between the wrath of God and the wrath of man. Study it. Study it. Grow in it. And you'll learn that. Very important. For if we were... if When we were enemies, which I was before I knew Christ as my Savior, were reconciled to God through the death of his son. So I received Jesus in 1978, but I was reconciled in, I like 32, so I'm going to say 32 AD from my studies. I go with 32 AD. I was reconciled in 32 AD. I didn't know it. I didn't know it until 1978, but once I got into the word of God, I came to understand, wow, God, you knew that I was going to choose you and you chose me. Praise you, Father. 
Not because I went to church and punched the clock. No, because I received Jesus as my Savior. For if when we were enemies, so if you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with God via Jesus Christ, if you're just playing church, you came here because your parents drug you here, your grandparents drug you, or you're just here out of a, well, you know, I'm just here to support my mate. That's nice. But you're an enemy of God right now. And you are not reconciled. You're going to hell. So if you want to be reconciled, you need to receive Jesus as your Savior. You don't need to join Calvary Chapel. You need to receive Jesus as your Savior. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 28, again, one of those sad verses in the Bible. We'll read it again. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And maybe you're here this morning and just that one individual. And yeah, I almost became a Christian, you know, a few years ago. And well, I almost became a Christian last month. Well, you know, church is full of hypocrites and that's why I'm here today. Yeah, you're a hypocrite. We're all hypocrites to a certain extent. Don't die without Jesus. Nine people died. That's why I read that article. They were minding their own business, driving down the road. Nine people died. They didn't have the opportunity to accept Jesus as their Savior if they were not saved. It was done. It was over. Don't play with God. You have no idea when God's going to call you home, but he will call you home. You will die. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today... And this could be hundreds, if not thousands, in the amphitheater. We don't know exactly how many, but the amphitheater can hold thousands if they met in the amphitheater. There's, you know, debate about that as well, so pick and choose. I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except these chains. And when he had said these things, the king stood up as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves saying, this man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. Are Christians doing something wrong by gathering? Because we love God and love Jesus? You know what they're saying. You Christians are selfish. You're not loving You continue to meet together while millions of people are dying in America. What's wrong with you? If you haven't heard that, then you're not awake. Because that's the drumbeat. You're bad people. You keep meeting. You are the driving force of this epidemic, which is not an epidemic. You see, Paul could have been set free, but God desired him to go to Rome. And he will get there with all expenses paid for by the Roman government, which will start next week. I mean, it's not a bad deal. God's ways are far above our ways. You see, God will use this Roman imprisonment to accomplish his will. Think about that in your own life. What is God going to use in 21 to mature you, to mature me? What is God going to use? Are there some people in the word that spent time in prison to accomplish God's will? Well, Joseph was one of those people, the son of Israel or better known as Jacob, is a wonderful example of one who is falsely accused but had to spend time in prison. You remember the story of how Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was purchased by Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh in the prime of his life at the age of 17. It was there that Potiphar's wife continually tried to entice Joseph to have sex with her. 
Now, what teenager wouldn't want to have sex? Don't raise your hand. Been there and done that. Let's look at Genesis 39 very quickly. Genesis 39, so that we can grow in maturity and learn in our lives. As teenagers, all of us in this room had these desires. If you didn't, then God put a special calling on your life. And praise God for that. But I think as a whole, 99.9 teenagers have those desires. Genesis 39, verse 8. But he refused. Joseph refused and said to his master's wife, to Potiphar's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I. This Jew who was sold into slavery is number one, well, actually number two, Potiphar's number one, but he's number two in all of Potiphar's house. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Do you think Potter said to Joseph, hey, I'm going out of town, don't touch my wife? I doubt it. I doubt it. Joseph knew. He knew in his heart. That's another man's wife. I'm not going to touch her. This is adultery. So if you're contemplating adultery, don't call it an affair. There's no such thing as having an affair. You're committing adultery. Don't commit adultery. Because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar. Is that what your Bible says? What does your Bible say? Sin against God. Guys, God was number one in Joseph's life. And he is an example of Christ. He's an example of Jesus in the Old Testament. You, you will not find anything negative in the life of Joseph. Now, he was a sinner. We don't want to elevate him to a wrong place. But you won't find anything wrong in Joseph. You won't find anything negative in Joseph's life. Nothing. He's an example of Jesus. You see, he knew that if no one else knew about what he did, God would know. And that was ultimately who Joseph desired to please. Paul is in a similar situation. Jeremiah was a God-fearing man who prophesied during the closing reign in Zedekiah when Nebuchadnezzar came to destroy Jerusalem in 586 B.C. He prophesied about the coming destruction of Jerusalem and that the people would be carried away to Babylon unless they repented of their evil ways. But God sent him with a consistent message of repentance or destruction. The elders of Jerusalem hated him, hated him. They wanted to kill him, but he ended up being thrown into prison instead. And we're not sure how long he spent time in prison, but we do know that his prophecies concerning King Zedekiah and Jerusalem came true. He ended up receiving favor from Nebuchadnezzar and was set free to go and live wherever he chose. Even though he was obedient to God, here's the point, in 21 for you and I as believers, even though he was obedient to God, it cost him dearly amongst the Jewish people. He didn't have a popular, popular feel-good message. So the people rejected him, but God was with him through it all. And at the beginning of the church, Peter spent some time in prison. Then the other disciples were arrested as well. They had not committed any crime as far as Rome was concerned, but the Jewish authorities didn't like the truth that they were spreading about Jesus being the Messiah, the Christ. 
They beat them and even threatened them with death. But Peter made this bold statement in Acts 5.29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. That applies even to today. And I'm not saying going out and being goofy. We want to respect and honor. The Bible teaches us, honor the king, pray for those who are in authority over us. But there does come a time where we have to have civil disobedience to say, no, I'm not going to obey that. I need to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need to be able to go to into a hospital and minister to someone who is dying instead of them dying alone. No. I will disobey. And then it might cost me prison. It might cost you prison. What's my point with these various testimonies? That living and speaking the truth is costly. You will lose friendships with those who are of this world. They don't like it when you're around because you're no fun anymore. Your life of purity convicts them of their sin. And as we read earlier in Matthew, the truth will possibly sever you and your family members as they turn away from me because of your stance about Jesus being the Messiah, the Christ. You're a nutcase. The rapture, seven years of tribulation, you're crazy. It may even cost you and I our own lives if we take the gospel serious enough. You see, Paul was in prison because of his stance about the truth. He might have been set free physically, but he knew that there was something more than his own temporal physical freedom. There was a call that on his life to share the truth with anyone who would listen so that they might be set free for eternity. Remember what we just read? This man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. This man in verse 32, he might have been set free. Paul could have been set free. Paul knew that. But he said, no, no, I'm not going to deny my calling. I'm going to testify of Jesus. It appears that Festus, Agrippa, and Bernice didn't choose that freedom. And it is costing them dearly in eternity. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 as we get ready to wrap this up. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Are we willing to lay aside everything or everyone else for the sake of the gospel in 21? Are we willing to lay aside everything or anyone else for the sake of the gospel? 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Remember, Paul's writing this in Rome to Timothy, a pastor. It's his last letter, known letter that we have. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. So not according to your power, according to the power of God. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before, notice this, before time began. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus the Christ, who has abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. For what reason? I laid down my life for God, and I taught the word of God. That's why I'm going through these things. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, 
and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. And what does that mean? That day, capital D, uh, could mean the day of his death. It could mean the day of the rapture because Paul believed that the rapture could actually even happen in his lifetime. Or it could just be the day that you die. Pick, pick your choice. But definitely the day you die because it's going to happen to all of us. We're all going to die. So let's read it again. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Have you committed your whole, believer, has you committed your whole life to him? He'll keep you. He'll keep you. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through troubles. We all will. This is a curse of this life, but he will keep you. And my closing thought is this. I pray that as this new year starts to unfold, it's just the third day, guys. Just the third day. How many of you broke your resolutions already? Don't raise your hands. Don't feel bad. It happens to everybody. Don't make them. Ask God to give you strength. I pray that this new year starts to unfold. We will be persuaded about what God has called us to do. And that he's able to keep us focused on that calling. That's what it's all about, guys. He's called us to be ambassadors for Christ. He'll keep you focused. He'll keep me focused as we surrender our lives to him. Father, we thank you and praise you that we as believers have a high calling on our lives. We're not just uh, bakers or candlestick makers. We're believers in Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. We have the blessed privilege of sharing the gospel. Paul saw it as a blessed privilege. He saw his feet as beautiful feet, the the good news. Allowing someone to hear the good news that they might go to heaven. Father, there's no higher calling in our life. Wherever we find ourselves, if we have to move this year due to a job transfer or, or due to health or due to whatever, we haven't lost our ambassadorship. We're ambassador for Christ. If we lose our earthly job, we haven't lost our ambassadorship. We're ambassadors for Christ. So, Father, help us to stay focused on that calling that whoever crosses our paths will we'll be ready to give them an answer or to, to at least ask them a question. Do they need prayer? Would they like prayer? Do, do you believe in the Bible? Whatever it might be, whatever the simple question might be, that we might provoke conversation to lead them, to plant those seeds, to water, to fertilize, and possibly even to pray with them to receive Jesus. Lord, use us in 21 for your glory. We know it's going to get crazy. There's no question about that. That's just reality. Help us not to get caught up in the craziness, but to be those people that are of a level head, a sound mind, that can bring peace to a situation even in the midst of turmoil. Help us to be there for our family members, Lord. They may think we're crazy, but if we're calm, they're going to look at us as you're crazy, but you've got something I don't. What is it? Help us to have calmness and peace. Help us to love them, that they might really truly see that we're not just crazy, we are believers, and we know that you have things under control. It's for your purpose. These days are for your purpose. May we be ready to go in the rapture. May we be ready to die via a car accident or some other situation. 5,700 people died every day in 17. 5,700 
Maybe we'll be one of those people today, Lord. Keep us ready. And if we're an unbeliever, (laughs) Father of saints, we pray for them right now that they would come up after this service and ask Jesus to be their Savior. Wake them up, Lord. Bring them forward that they might truly understand your love, grace, and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, guys. God bless you. Thank you for coming out. Have a blessed new year. And that means that God is going to bless you no matter what. That's reality. Look for the blessings. Look for the blessings. If you need prayer for anything, please come. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.